It's great to be able to stand alongside each other and pray and hear the testimonies of what God has done. And my text this morning. <laughs> is to do with the faithfulness of God. When we had our prayer meeting on the Saturday, Andrew Dowser read from Psalm 115, and sometimes in that context, when someone reads the scriptures, almost if the whole thing just explodes inside, and uh, you, you just get very excited about the word. And some of what I want to share briefly uh, is the universal principle that will apply to all and any in this room this morning, doesn't matter which church you're from, but I want to home in on what I believe are prophetic promises for us as a manual. And if you are not part of the manual, please take these away and pray for us as we seek to see the fulfilment of God's word for us. But it's all to do with the faithfulness of God. And this is what Andrew read from Psalm 115. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. May the Lord cause you to flourish, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, to your name be glory because of your love and your faithfulness. And it was this idea of just the faithfulness of God being poured out towards us day by day that really captured my attention on that particular morning. And again and again we have God being described as being faithful. But then I began to think, if you, if you are faithful, there has to be a context for that faithfulness. You need to have said something against which faithfulness can be measured. It's not good to say, I'm faithful. What is it you are faithful to? And so when we look at Scripture, we find God comes and He is the one who makes promises and He is then faithful to the promise He has made. God is not held to be faithful to anything He has not said. And I think it's a very important lesson for us to learn. Because sometimes we get, why hasn't God done this? Because God never said he was going to do it. But once God has declared what he's going to do, he oversees that word and brings it to fulfillment. In Hebrews 10, 23, it says, Let us hold him swervingly to the hope we profess. Why? Because he who promised, that is he who declared the promise, is faithful. And a definition of promise, a declaration or assurance that one will do something or that a particular thing will happen. So God declares it and then he watches over his word to see that what he has declared will come about. And one of the big differences between God and us is that when he makes a promise, he has all the resources in order to see that promise come to fulfilment. You know, the scripture said, God is not a politician, that he should lie. <laughs> That's the, the, modern, the modern bell version, that is. But you know what, what's crazy is that we're surrounded by all people plucking promises out of the hat. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said, has he not said, and he will do it. He has spoken, and he will make it good. 
And this is the father that we come before this morning. We hear these testimonies of the faithfulness of God being worked through. And every child of God has a story of God's faithfulness. Now it's not necessarily a story of a smooth road. It's not necessarily a story of an easy life. Because we just need to look at Jesus for that example. Jesus had anything but a smooth walk in this world. He had anything but an easy life. But he was thoroughly and absolutely committed and knew the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of his Father being worked out towards him every day. So God makes a promise. He speaks forth the promise. And as he speaks that forth, he is completely and utterly trustworthy to see that promise come about. When we look through the scripture, it's the story of God's promises being fulfilled. And we can start right at the very beginning. But let's just think about the children of Israel and the Exodus. And we're going to be looking at that later in the year. But the children of Israel, God heard their cry and he promises to deliver them from the land of slavery. He promises to lead them into a land flowing with milk and honey. And in all of the nonsense, in all of the grumbling, in all of the failure, God's plan was fulfilled and he led a generation into the land of promise. God fulfilled his promise to them. The Father makes a promise of the coming Messiah. And the Messiah comes. The Father makes a promise that the Spirit will be given and fall on all flesh. And the Spirit is given to all flesh. And Jesus comes and he says, promises, I'm going to come again. And we live in that time and we look forward to that promise being fulfilled. We are living, in a sense, between some major promises of Scripture. But God's faithful in the midst. Faithfulness is the very essence of God's character. One commentator expressed it this way. He can as soon cease to exist as cease to be faithful to his promise. In other words, he cannot be faithless. He can only be faithful to his promise. And that is true for every born again follower of Jesus. God will come and be faithful to the promises he has made to you. He is faithful to the promises he has made to his covenant community. And as we look at us here in Emmanuel, we believe in the gift of prophecy. We believe that God can give a now word to us as a community that will encourage us, that will strengthen us, and that will comfort us. Words that come from heaven into the now situation, but those words will never ever contradict scripture. They should be confirmed, in a sense, God's plans in specific ways to be outworked in us. So you see, God has promised an end-time revival. Look at Isaiah and Malachi, Michael, one of them. Um, where God promises that in the last days the people of the earth will stream to the mountain of the Lord, and that mountain of the Lord is the church. It's his community of people. He's prophesied there an end-day revival, and he will see that come about. Now that's in his written word, but it comes down to us in this specific. We believe God has spoken prophetically over us as a community, pointing us to the future that he has for us. Many years ago, God said to us, go to the nations and I will give you Durham. 
And when we look at that specific promise, in a sense, it's just a personalised promise of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. But God gave it that sort of specific, that little unique twist from us, that you go to the nations, I am going to give you Durham. And we have seen incredible things happen as we have reached out to the nations. And we have many people here in this community who have been part of at least one of our trips overseas, and we have many more as the years go on, because we never saw that as being a few leaders going to reach the nation. We always want to incorporate the community of God's people. So if you have been on at least one of our overseas, can you just put your hand up? Now just, oh, glory, glory. You know, that's incredible. Thank you. See, that was easy. And that was the outworking of the prophetic word, a specific prophetic word to us from God. And we've been working that word ever since, and we will continue to do it. Amen. <laughs> and at the moment, we are believing God for revival. What does that mean? Well, some of us don't have an idea, really. But it means something different than what we have now. We're not in revival, folks. We are not in revival. We're in a good place, but we are in revival. We are not in revival. We're in a good place. But we're working with God in order to see that promise of God come to us and be fulfilled upon us. Whatever revival means, it means growth in terms of quality of our own life and quantity. You're not going to have revival without more people being added to the kingdom. So when people come to me and say, what do you know? And I've had this down through the years and say, God is not interested in numbers. Yes, he is. <laughs> but it's one of those things, it is always used to almost justify things being small. When I look at the scripture, I find God is very, very interested in numbers. He even has a book called Numbers. And when you read it to my favorite book of the entire scriptures, Acts, when you read somebody counted how many people were around, I mean, absolutely incredible, that on the day of Pentecost, there's a 3,000 men were added to the church, we need to 4,000, it just goes on and on and on. God is interested in numbers, but those numbers are made up of individuals. Let's not forget that. So when we read the story of Pentecost, that's it, you know, the 3,000, what we find is, what we need to realise is, there were 3,000 individual stories of the grace of God at work. 3,000 individual stories, and God has promised us revival. And part of that promise is that as we look to the future, God has provided that building across the road, as an instrument to help us achieve what God has got for us. And we've had promises of God regarding that building. Now, that building is not there as a, an end in itself. It's there to help us fulfill the purposes of God and the promises being fulfilled. And we've had a promise of God, very powerful promise, 
and basically says it's going to be there, and we as a community will operate out of there as a means of being a blessing to the nations. And what a thrill this is to see how many nations are represented among us each and every week. I cannot look, you're talking between perhaps 15 and 20 nations being represented among them. We're quite a small community of people. And yet God is bringing the nations. So as well as we are going to the nations, God has added nations to us, and I believe this is part of the calling that God has given to us, and that as we look to the future, God wants this place to be called a house of prayer for all nations. Where people from here can be blessed and return to wherever it is they uh, return to. That wasn't in the notes. <laughs> and Jesus said, you know, in Mark 11, 17, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. We have that picture, which I think may still be on the internet, of the silos. And the silos being, broke, being broken open, and the grain going out of the silo for the feeding of the nations. Yes, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations where many people from different nations and different cultures will find a spiritual home. Well, often we love that idea, don't we? We love that idea of all the nations coming in, but what we do not love is the fact that it's a challenge the way we do things. Because we like to do it in terms of practicing our to a song, I did it my way. No one will say. Don't be worried. Hallelujah. <laughs> but, but we have this idea that in order to be a house of prayer for all nations and for God to add people to us from many different cultures and parts of the world, that then everything needs to be done our way. We need to challenge that view. Because I believe that if we are to see the fulfillment of God's promise to us, we need to be ready to embrace change. Not just for the sake of it but to embrace the changes that are necessary in order for us to encompass and welcome in those from the different nations of the world. Because there is much we need to learn. You know, I I have travelled quite widely in India, been to Ghana, we had Peter Chambers, it was great to see Peter. And I love the vibrancy of the African churches. There is so much there for us to learn. And sometimes I feel from our African brothers and sisters who come and we sing in the... Let this not We value the musicians. We think they do a great job. We think they should change. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Peter. But the reality is there is a call upon all of us to change in order that together we can be that wonderful, multi-empty community rising in worship to God. And I am not going to say that again. I am not going to say that again. But what it really means to be the house of prayer for all nations where together we can label Jesus we love and adore. Because it's only in Jesus that we are truly united. He brings us together. And as we come together, we need to recognize that it is a privilege 
that we enjoy as children of God. You know, sometimes we get the impression of being a Christian if God did a really dirty trick on us. Mm. Have you ever come across those Christians that have God had it in for me. You know, the joy is, and again, I think we can learn from so many from other, from other cultures. It is that joy of knowing Jesus. It's not the joy of getting all the bits around us. And we can get confused. We believe that God does provide. But our hope and our trust is to be in the faithfulness of the Jesus who died and raised to life again. Not in the bits of prayer we get answered. You see the difference? One is we are rooted in Jesus and the other is being dependent upon the bits we get. And we need to be rooted in Jesus. In one part of the scripture it says, The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait on him. Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. Because he's God. Because he is God. And so as we look to the future, I believe God has given us an incredible vision for what he wants to do among us. A house of prayer for all nations. And within that, it speaks of revival. It speaks of God adding many from that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of into the kingdom of light. And that together we see an incredible move of God take place. But I want to challenge you now with a prayer goal. I want to challenge you with this. Vision four hundred. Now, when I was sharing about the building across the road some weeks ago, I shared in terms of so many adults and so many children. And after that, God corrected my thinking because that is a false division. Yeah. And I believe God said, do not think in terms of adults and children, but think of that whole community of all ages being raised up in order to give praise to God. And what I want to challenge every member of the manual, that we pray to God, that God will take us from the numbers we are now to that number of 400 people gathering together for worship and giving glory to Jesus. 400. But let me qualify that. I did not believe God has promised us 400. So you all sit there confused. I'm really good at confusion. Now, why am I saying that? Because the vision I believe God has ultimately given goes way beyond the 400. So it's not as if you get the 400 over and over we reach it. That's not the point. The issue is, I believe this is an important stepping stone towards the greater vision God has given us for Emmanuel in these coming years. But we need somewhere to start. And so what I would like you to do is just to take hold of that vision 400 and pray it into being and see what God is going to do. It says, if he will be faithful to the promises, and we believe that that is something God has said to us. Could you imagine that, you know, 400 people from different cultures, different languages, different life experiences, being united in the worship of the living Lord Jesus, what a testimony that is to the world and all of its partisan politics. But we can come together, united in Christ, and give glory to him, and see what he wants to do among us. So that is a prayer goal for us, first and foremost. And to see what God wants to do beyond that. 
And that in our small groups, personally, we can lay hold of God and we can see how God will answer that prayer. Because it's something measurable. We can see how God is going to unfold that as he brings individual by individual by individual to us. But how should we respond to this challenge? And I believe there was a, a key in what Mark Dupont shared with us uh, over last weekend, I think it was on the Sunday morning, where he was talking about David and bringing the ark to Jerusalem. And the first attempt failed because it was a, a human program that he was uh, using, whereas the ark was always meant to be carried by people. And what we need to do, so our first response to this, is not to come up with a cleverly devised program, but I believe our first response to this is to actually rest in the love of Jesus. Rest in his presence, and then out of that we pray, and then after we pray, or as we pray, we just simply do what God tells us to do. So we're not going to come up with some really wonderful, uh, inspired programs. I believe it's up to each and every one of us to lead into the faithfulness of Jesus. That's it. Now that's an easy one, isn't it? Lead into the faithfulness of Jesus. And as we lean into his faithfulness, we speak to him. He speaks to us. And we respond by living out that which he's whispered into our spirits. There are such a people who say breakthroughs in ways we've never seen before. Why? Because we're leaning into Jesus in a whole new way. You know, I'm when we look at what God has got ahead of, ahead of us, I am not daunted by that. Because God has to do it. God has to do it. But you don't look around. God has brought us this far. He's a good, good father. Let's have a band. I haven't finished, but we have a plan. <laughs> but brothers and sisters, let's keep fresh in the things of the Spirit. Let us listen to what Jesus is saying to us. And let us act upon what he said. You know, the testimonies today that we have heard of healing and God's provision come out of that relationship with Jesus, which says, I am not going to give in. It would have been very easy for Kat to have given in down through the months. Very easy. And you know the reality is, Kat, you've you been a rock bottom at times. And you know that's when we need each other to come and just hold our hands up and say, come on, we're alongside you to get you through this. It's great to hear stories of names being healed. I love the thing, James, this must be the Navy department. <laughs> And Aisha and God come in in that moment. He is a faithful God. And as we reach out to God for the future, we should be looked to Him for His faithfulness. Be manifested to us again. Let's start. I'll just
You know, we are here because of the faithfulness of God. It's the only reason we're here. God has been faithful to us. Down through the years. He remains faithful today. And He will be forever faithful in the future. Just wherever you are, if there's an issue that you're just wrestling with, we're not going to have a, a ministry time. But if there's an issue you're wrestling with, that you just need to see, in a sense, just go and break it. Just bring that to him right now, wherever you are. That the faithful Father, who pours out his blessings in lavish abundance, comes. And meets with us afresh. And we say that breakthrough. Father, I ask that this week, as we just draw near to you, you will give us tokens of encouragement. That you will come, and that in the dark hours of the night, you will just whisper your secrets into our spirit. That you will strengthen us, you will encourage us, you will comfort us, Lord, because we recognize that you have everything that we need. Help us to tap into your resources as we lean upon you. Lord, for those who need jobs, jobs, Lord, we pray that provision be released from heaven. Those who need healing, let the healing power of heaven be released and touch many lives. Release the finances, Father. We pray that you would come and that you would work miracles. As we honor you in our finances, you will pour out from the very treasure of heaven. All 